The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, welcome to the Disability Law Show. Your host here, John Scholes, along with Savan to Mark. And you want to give Savan any call, uh, any time, give him a call for sure. It's one 821 5900 I'll give you that contact before we even get rolling here. Website, disabilityrights.ca. The email address we use, and we'll get to a little later on in the show today, will be help at disabilityrights.ca. And to always, mydisabilityquestions.com is yet another resource for you. That is the place where you can ask your questions online, search the database, see if a similar question has been asked and answered before. If not, leave it there. Savannah, a member of his uh, very cool team, will get to it and answer it uh, quite fully. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. But we got a ton of stuff to get through, Savannah, even before we get into some, uh, some emails here. A bunch of weak that was situations that you've been dealing with, I know, on your side for, uh, for some time. What do you got uh, off the start? Yeah, John, there's a ton of stuff going on right now. As you can imagine, I mean, COVID is, um, you know, top of mind, in in addition to the holidays, obviously. Uh, But, you know, it's been very, very tough for folks out there. And I just noticed um, an article this uh, this past week in the news uh, that uh, essentially stated that um, one in four Canadians are binge drinking and experiencing anxiety. And that's according to Cam H. Um, You know, this is very concerning. It's not... Uh, something that has not been foreseen. I mean, you know, there's been the alarm bells uh, ringing across the country, really across the globe. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because more and more people I find now are seeking the help of their disability insurers. And this is what we do here on the show. We give people advice about how to deal with their long-term and short-term disability insurance companies. Many people are unfortunately when they apply, and they apply because you know they they've reached a breaking point; they're unable to work. Uh, it doesn't mean it's permanent, but certainly for a certain period of time, they're unable to work. They're in depression. Maybe they're going through divorce. There is a whole bunch of things happening. Maybe their businesses have been crushed, you know, by the lockdowns, which is absolutely horrible. And people need the help, and this is why we have disability insurance, short-term and long-term disability insurance. Some people have it privately. They've purchased it. If you haven't purchased it or you don't have it through your group benefits through work, I suggest contact a broker and and see if you can get some of that coverage. To me, it's as important as having car insurance coverage, house insurance coverage, etc. But if you do have it and you've applied for it and you have a family doctor, a psychotherapist, psychologist, someone who's treating you, who has prepared the report, a strong report that says that you are disabled from working because of X, Y, and Z, you know, because of anxiety, depression, whatever the situation is, and uh, you're getting treatments for it, and you've been denied by your long-term disability insurance company, in other words, they come back and say, we're not going to pay you for whatever reason, you have to reach out to me, okay? Don't go through the appeals process. We've talked about this before, John. We're going to talk about it time and time again. These appeals are useless, Okay. Uh, reach out to me. Reach out to me. Ask questions. Uh, it, the, the information we give out is free each and every day. I communicate with countless people across the country, not just in Ontario, not just in BC or Alberta. Seriously, John, I get questions from people in the territories, in the Yukon. Wow. It's crazy. Huh. In fact, I get people sometimes uh, reaching out to me from the States. Now, the laws there are very, very different, so I can't give any advice. But for people here, 
routinely we give advice and routinely we answer questions that are posted to mydisabilityquestions.com. Our website we've set up years ago uh, that has thousands of questions posted by people across the country who are struggling with their disability insurance company. So, so that's what I wanted to bring out, John, the fact that, you know, again, not a surprise, more and more people are in a depressive state, more and more people are unable to work, and I am seeing the amount of rejections from insurance companies going up. I'm seeing more and more people contacting our firm for help, different different reasons, but one of the primary reasons is the insurance company says, we don't believe that you've established that you are totally disabled from working. And, and of course, again, we've talked about what does that mean to be totally disabled within the context of disability, of long-term disability. And again, it does not mean that you are incapacitated. It does not mean that you have a coma or that you are confined to your bed. It doesn't mean that. What it means is that you cannot do the essential tasks of your own occupation for the first two years if you have a standard LTD policy and that you cannot do uh, the essential tasks of any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience beyond the two-year mark. And as long as you have whoever's treating you, your doctors, your psychologists, whoever's treating you, is writing in support of you being off work because of those disabilities, illness, injury, what whatnot, your insurance company should be paying you. And if they're not, we can challenge them and we can force them to pay you. I think maybe insurance companies are starting to maybe uh they're tightening tighten their uh, purse strings a little bit because of, you know, the the virus and COVID nineteen and they figure, okay, there's more people reaching out and trying to claim, so they're gonna shut the doors even harder. It's not a nice thing to do, but I think that's part of the reality, right? Oh, absolutely. I a hundred percent. I mean, you know, we we've dealt with this early on in the pandemic with travel insurance claim. Remember the class action that my firm initiated right. against T D insurance for failing to honor uh, travel uh, cancellation, right? People who had travel insurance through their credit card Again, I, I understand where insurance companies are coming from. No one anticipated this. No one saw this coming. Everyone is trying to survive. Here's the thing, though. These insurance companies have been collecting premiums from individuals, from companies for years. And they've collected those premiums for the precise reason of paying out in the event that the individual or the company, the business, whoever it is, applies and qualifies under the, the terms of the policy. And, and what's happening now is that insurance companies just don't want to pay out, right? They want to keep those profits. They want to keep those premiums. And in many instances, they are denying people unjustly and illegally. Okay, I'm going to say this again. It's illegal, right? If you have a policy of insurance, and again, it's not just disability. It's house insurance, car insurance. If you have a policy of insurance, what you essentially have is a contract between yourself and the insurance company. And the contract has certain provisions that impose obligations on the insurance company to pay you if you've applied for that insurance and you qualify. And what the insurance companies are coming back and saying is that, sorry, you don't qualify or there, you know, there is an exclusion under the policy. It's not that simple. Don't take the insurance co uh, uh, company's word for it. Trust me when I tell you that there has been countless situations where insurance companies have denied legitimate claims and people have walked away from that money thinking that they can't challenge the insurance company. I'm here to tell you, you have a lot more power than you think you can challenge the insurance company. And it's actually quite easy for us as lawyers, as disability lawyers, to speak with individuals by phone, review some documentation, and literally within minutes tell people if they have a case or not. And there's been cases, John, where I've told people, you have no case, or the insurance company's correct, or I think that the chances of success are low, but, but here's the thing. More often than not, when people contact me, it's because they know they're disabled, 
They know the insurance company is shirking their obligations under the policy, and they know, they know, and they trust what I'm saying that we can force them to pay exactly what they are owed, what these individuals are owed, and that's what we do. And, and you know, by the way, stories of success. I'm telling you right now, I can't divulge confidentiality because confidentiality reasons, okay. any specific cases. But I am bombarded now on on a daily basis from our team. Basically, my team members who are all working remotely now from home yep. are telling me of all these success stories, forcing these insurance companies, especially now before the holidays, to pay these individuals exactly what they're owed. So I, I mean, that makes my heart warm because I know that these individuals really, really need the money. And these insurance companies are coming to the table, not because they want to come to the table and pay. Not because of any altruistic reason, but because they know that they have no choice, that they're going to have to pay. Or at the end of the day, if we go, if we go all the way, if we really take them to the end of the process, they're going to end up paying a lot more through the nose. So that's why they're coming to the table now and they're paying our clients exactly what uh, they should have paid uh, in the first place. Look, it's really uh, really simple to reach out. You should do it. At least keep the number with you for just a chat. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca. We will get to some of your emails a little later in the show. We still got a few minutes to go before we got a break, pal. What uh, what else you got going on? I got an email uh, from a gentleman, uh, John, uh, another John, John, uh, who uh, who wrote me a very simple question. He says, "How does one deal with work issues when returning from disability?" And what if uh, you have both that, i.e. like a disability issue, yep. in, in, in a union environment? So this is interesting, right? Because we haven't talked about this for a while. In the employment context, you know, John, when you do the show with Lior, my partner, the employment law show, uh, you know, you guys talk about the fact that we cannot help unionized employees. Only the union can represent you if you're having issues with your employer. That's just the way the law is structured. We literally cannot... Uh, impose ourselves into the process. However, with disability, with long-term disability, it's it's different. With long-term disability, your dispute is with your insurance companies more, more often than not. And so we actually can, in many instances, represent you against your insurance company, even if you are a unionized employee. Now, if you have been on disability and you return to work in a unionized environment, and you're having issues with your employer, again, we cannot help you with that, okay? Meaning, we, we, I mean, we can give you advice, but we can't really represent you. We can't force the, the employer to do anything. Only the union can. But, you know, many people who, John, you know as well as I do, we spoke about this, try to go back to work after being on LTD for a while, and their return to work fails, and then they're having difficulty go, going back on LTD, and that's when people should be contacting us as well because we can help them go after their insurance companies and force the insurance companies to pay. So again, what I want people to understand here is this. If you are a unionized employee and you're experiencing problems, issues, denials from your disability insurance company, we most likely can help you. We're going to have to look at the collective agreement to see what was agreed between the employer and the union. Yep. But in many, many cases, in most cases, we are able to help you deal with your insurance company. Do not go to your union to help you with your disability matter because they have no expertise whatsoever with long-term disability. Keep that as advice. And if you want to reach out now, we uh, take a quick break here. Do so. Do not, uh, do not hesitate. Help at disabilityrights.ca. There's your uh, email address, the phone number, anytime, toll free, of course, one eight five five. 
821-5900. And I'll give you this as well, mydisabilityquestions.com. That is a resource for you to ask your questions anytime and get a, a nice, clear, and concise answer by one of Savant's team as well, mydisabilityquestions.com. It's the Disability Law Show, and it will return after a short break right here, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the Disability Law Show. Again, Savannah Tamarkin is uh, hosting, answering all of your questions a little later on through some uh, some email. We'll get to those. Help at disabilityrights.ca. If you simply go to disabilityrights.ca, you'll find a resource and links to our television show as well, about a 30-minute version basically of what we do here each week as well. It's really cool if you haven't uh, checked those out. Have uh, have a look, literally have a look, disabilityrights.ca and of course mydisabilityquestions.com. We reference and use some of the uh, some of the mydisabilityquestions.com questions, of course anonymously, but they're out there, and you can use that uh, any time as well. Before we get to some emails, Savannah, I know you got a few more uh, matters you want to discuss. Go ahead. Yep, I got an email as well uh, earlier this week from uh, a lady by the name of Crystal, and here's mm-hmm. what Crystal wrote. She says, "Hey there, my disability worker through." And then she gives me the name of the insurance company, which I'm not going to say, um, is wanting to set me up with their own assigned rehab specialist. Do I have to use theirs to stay covered or can I use my, um, or, or, or can I use my doctor referred rehab specialist? Yeah. I'm on a waiting list for the pain clinic and a rehab specialist through my doctor and I'm still undiagnosed. I just don't want to be forced back before I do what my doctor thinks is necessary. Excellent, excellent questions. Uh, so, so this lady is on a waiting list, waiting for people who can treat her, a rehab specialist. At the same time, the insurance company is saying to her, listen, we can put you in touch with our own rehab specialist, not for an assessment, but for treatments. So what does she do? Because, John, you know, you and I have spoken before many times, and you know my views. I'm, I'm very, you know, t- to me, this is a black and white approach. Uh, if you have two options in terms of getting treatments, one from uh, a a specialist or a practitioner that your doctor recommends or that you know versus one that your insurance company tells you to go to, you should be going, in my opinion, to the doctor, the rehab specialist, the clinic, your your family doctor or whoever it is you're seeing recommends. Because they have your best interest at heart, they know you. You know there is a there is a reason why they're sending you to that individual or that clinic. On the other hand, when the insurance company says to you, "We think you should go to that particular clinic, that particular treatment provider for treatments," I'm very suspicious. I'm very skeptical. Yep. No different than you know if I have a car accident and my insurance company says we want you to go to that specific uh, you know auto shop to you know to fix your car, and I'm thinking, well, why do you want me to go to that shop? Well, presumably because that shop is going to do things cheaper, uh, maybe not get the best parts. You know, whatever they're going to do, they're going to do something that is probably best for the insurance company versus for me. Okay. Again, not always, but that's just my suspicious, uh, my, my suspicion. So, you know, with doctors, it's very much the same thing. But here with Crystal, th- th- there is a bit of a nuance here that I, that I want to make sure people understand. Your goal ultimately is to get better. Okay, legalities aside, you want to make sure that you are getting better as, as quickly as you can. 
So it really depends for Crystal, and I don't have this information. I don't know how long it's going to take her to get those treatments or, or to get into that clinic that her doctor recommended that she go to. Because if the waiting list is a year and her insurance company's rehab specialist you know, can accept her next week, I would put aside my concerns about going to the insurance company's recommended uh, um, rehab uh, person because I think that ultimately she wants to get better. You know, and my concern often with the clinics and the practitioners that the insurance companies want you to go and get treatments from is not with respect to whether or not they're qualified, okay? I've never had a situation where the insurance company said, go to this clinic, go to the specialist, and they're not qualified. My issue is that after they give you a certain amount of treatments, I have seen time and time again these clinics provide reports, interim reports, to the insurance company saying that you're better than you really are, that your progress uh, you know, is better, that you're ready to go back to work when in fact you're not. Right. But again, let's separate that. Let's separate sort of that concern in terms of the reporting that they have, that they make to the insurance company versus the treatments they can give you. So to me, it comes down to sort of the issue is what is best for Crystal here? What is best for this individual who clearly needs treatments? And I think that, you know, if she's, you know, any time now, it's imminent that she's going to get into that clinic that her doctor referred her to. I say, you know, tell your insurance company, thank you very much. But no, she's going to go to the clinic that the doctor recommended, her doctor recommended. But if it's not imminent, in other words, if it's a choice between getting no treatments for a while, especially now with COVID, and getting treatments from a clinic that the insurance company can put her in touch with, now... I would say get those treatments now because ultimately the overriding concern is this person's health, this Crystal's health. But, you know, she asks something else here, which is really important here. She's saying that, you know, if I, you know, if I don't accept, if I don't go to their rehab specialist, you know, can I be cut off? Can they potentially, you know, do something to me here? This is a concern I often hear. If I reject the recommendation by the insurance company in terms of who to go for treatments, can they cut me off? Well, they can cut you off for anything. Cut you exactly. off, John, for, for yeah, wearing the wrong color shirt. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't mean that they have the leg to stand on legally. That's right. But remember that in long-term disability policies, there are provisions that say that you have to get reasonable treatments, right? You, can't, you have to mitigate. You can't just simply stay at home, not get any treatments, and say, well, you know what? I'm on a waiting list, and maybe in two or three years, I'll get into you know, that clinic that I really want to get into. But until then, I'm not going to do anything. I think if you take that approach, you potentially would be uh, in breach of your obligations under the policy, under the LTD policy, to get reasonable treatments. So the insurance company can take that position if if you're not getting any treatments for the foreseeable future, and at the same time, you've refused to go to one of their clinics or, or to go to a practitioner that they've recommended to you. Right. You know, and that's just the reality of things. So, you know, can they cut you off? They can cut you off, but it comes down to the facts of each case, which is why I tell people, John, contact me directly about your situation and myself, a team member on my team, we can chat with you and speak with you for free to make sure that you understand exactly what your rights are. That's the, that's the key thing here. You need to understand what your rights are. You need to be skeptical of what the insurance company is telling you because they're not telling you anything for your own benefit. They usually are saying to you, whatever they're telling you, they're telling you because they have to tell you that under the policy, or they're telling you something that benefits them. That's been my experience. 
And that's been the experience of literally thousands of individuals that I have spoken to uh, for I don't know how many years, for many, many years. Insurance companies are in it for themselves, so you have to look out for yourself and not necessarily believe everything they're telling you. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number. I think you got something else just to cover before we get to our emails, right? Yeah. Uh, so this one is uh, this one is interesting. So this gentleman here, there's a gentleman. His name is Eric. Mm-hmm. He contacted me back in June. I've been in touch with him because again, I tell people call me or email me, and I'll, I'll help you out. Uh, again, free of charge. Uh, and so this gentleman back in June uh, writes to me. I've been on LTD for the last thirteen months. And my benefits provider is requiring me to apply for CPP disability. Uh-huh. My, ca- my question is really around the obligation to do this. If I don't apply, can they terminate my benefits? And John, of course, our listeners are used to this. We've talked yes. about this question before, and so I answered them back. I said they most likely will not terminate you, although I've seen cases where they do. But if you don't apply, I said to him, then they may estimate what they think you ought to receive from CPP disability and then reduce your monthly amounts accordingly. And then I concluded by saying my advice to you is to apply for CPP disability. And again, there are pros and cons, mostly pros for applying for CPP disability. Of course, Eric responds back after I emailed him saying thanks for the quick reply. I listen to the show on AM640 every week and I appreciate the advice. Attaboy. Fantastic. Then I get an email from him this week. So we're now, what, five and a half months later, six months later. And, and here's what he writes. He says, hi, Sivan, I'm hoping you might point me in the right direction on the next steps in the process. I received a reply from Service Canada denying my CPP disability application. They acknowledge my limitations, but they do not prevent me from doing some type of work. Uh, Am I obligated to advise my benefits provider, my disability insurer, and could they try to use that to terminate my current LTD? In other words, the fact that he was denied CPP disability by the government, can his own disability insurance company use that as a pretext to cut him off LTD? Oh, I see. And then he writes... May of next year, May of 2021, will be my two-year mark for my LTD, and they have already advised me of the change from ability to do my current job versus any job. Welcome any advice on next steps, and very much appreciate your help. Mm -hmm. So, again, I responded, you know, to Eric here, and I said, number one, the insurance company, your insurance company, cannot use your denial by CPP disability of your CPP disability application as a pretext to cut off your long-term disability benefits. They can't. Those are two separate processes. One is government, one is private. Okay. However, many long-term disability insurers do, in fact, after an individual is rejected by CPP disability, go on themselves to say, we are now going to cut you off benefits. Okay, I have seen this time and time again. They should not do this, but they do this. And that's when we step in and we help. Okay, But what the concern is here, and this goes on to the next question, is that the insurance company understands and knows that in May of next year, Eric will reach that two-year mark. Remember, John, we've spoken about this two-year mark. That's when there is a change of definition for the term total, totally disabled, yes. total disability under the policy. And, and so what the insurance company has said is that you know, we believe we believe that you may be able to do some other occupation. Okay, that's that definition change. For the first two years of being on LTD, you have to demonstrate that you cannot do the essential tasks of your own occupation, your own occupation. Beyond the two-year mark, it's no longer your own occupation. It's any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what happens is in many cases, unfortunately, people 
are in fact disabled from doing any other occupation for which they're suited for. But yet the insurance company, despite that, despite what the individual's doctors are saying, cut off people, deny their claims, and leave them out in the cold. You know, and, and the thing here is that in many instances, they will tell you, they will give you a heads up. They're not going to do this in hindsight. They're not going to wait until June here to tell Eric that his benefits ended in May. No. They're going to tell him ahead of time that his benefits will end whatever the date is, May 31st or May 2nd, whatever the date is. And so what I tell people is this. If you are told, if you are told that your LTD benefits are going to come to an end because the insurance company believes you can do some other job, some other occupation, and you disagree with that and your doctors disagree with that, you need to call me right now because I will tell you exactly what you can do to combat that. Sometimes, in some instances, we've been able to actually avert that cutoff. We've been able to force the insurance company to reverse course, reverse position, even before even before you reach that deadline, that two-year mark. In other cases, the insurance company has proceeded to do so, but we've taken action before. In other words, you know, what do they say, John? The best uh, defense is a good offense, offense right? Yep. We go on the offense. We go on the offense. Stop playing defense with insurance companies. That's what they want you to do. They want you to be on your heels. They want you to feel helpless. They want you to feel like there is this huge power imbalance, which, of course, there is unless we step into the picture and take over the fight for you. And again, you know, again, I tell people, we are lawyers. You don't have to come to us as long as you do your research and you go to the right lawyers who know what they're doing. I mean, we'd love it if you would choose us to help you, but we're not the only lawyers out there who deal with long-term disability. It's just really critical that you go to people who really have expertise in this area of law and who have the reputation and, by the way, also have the means to take on these insurance companies. Listen, John, we are now close to 40 lawyers firm-wide in no all kidding. our offices. Wow, that's, that's something. I mean, trust me when I tell you, we got the means to take on these insurance companies and they know it, which is why they pay big bucks to resolve many of these claims that we bring. Let's take a short break, and as mentioned, going to move over to some, uh, some emails. You want to send one along. If uh, you got some time, we'd love to hear from you. Help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address. The phone number, anytime, of course, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900, and the website is disabilityrights.ca. Links to our long-running television show there as well, so have a look, and we'll get your emails after a short break. This is the Disability Law Show. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back, Disability Law Show. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That is the email address. The phone number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Use it any time. And mydisabilityquestions.com is another great website built for you to ask your questions and get them answered with a searchable database of previously asked questions as well. It's uh, it's kind of cool. Okay, let's get on to emails as promised. Event. This first one is uh, a little tough. Uh, Donna writes in, she says, my sister was brutally attacked and almost raped outside of work earlier this year, and since then she's been seeing a psychologist because of depression, anxiety, and she was also diagnosed with a severe form of PTSD. She was on short-term disability through her work, and then when she applied for long-term, they refused her claim because they said she didn't provide sufficient documents proving that she is disabled. 
They also said that it is a workers' compensation claim and not a long-term disability claim, but workers' compensation denied her, saying that she wasn't in uh, the course of her employment when this happened. I don't know how to help her, but there is a, is there a way for her to challenge her insurance company? Man, oh Donna, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a horrific situation. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised she has PTSD. It's a good thing she's getting treatments from a psychologist. And, you know, this is one of those instances, John, where you scratch your head at how insurance companies possibly can come, you know, to a decision uh, that an individual like this, like Donna's sister, should not be approved for long-term disability after what happened. I, I mean, the, the trauma that she experienced. And, and to me, the reason that I, I'm, you know, talking this way and saying that this is just unbelievable is because when I have a reaction like that to a scenario, to a case, to an individual who comes to me with that kind of a story, uh, I mean, I want to sink my teeth into the file to understand exactly how yeah. the insurance company arrived at their decision. But I can tell you, in many cases, when I've had that kind of a reaction, a, a reaction of complete and utter disbelief, usually, usually, uh, I was able to extract from the insurance company not only the the monies that they owe the individual under the policy, but also additional monies, uh, what we call extra contractual damages. Right, punitive damages, aggravated damages. Now, when you settle with an insurance company, they'll never have an, a, a line item uh, in in the settlement documents that says punitive damages. I mean, they'll avoid that. You know, they 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 will never want that there. But they will pay above and beyond what the policy states that they have to pay in order to resolve those kinds of claims. And, and this idea. Or, or this excuse, uh, this pitiful excuse from the insurance company that they're not paying because there's insufficient medical documents or documentation proving that she's disabled, that's insanity. That's absolutely... Listen, I haven't seen what the psychologist wrote here, but I don't even know that I need to. Yeah. I mean, just look at the scenario here. So, you know, Donna, we can help your sister. You, you have done a great thing by reaching out. And, and oftentimes, by the way, it's the family members that reach out to us. It's the friends. It's the concerned colleagues that reach out to us or tell us or prompt the disabled person to reach out to us to get the information they need to understand what their legal rights are. Now, here, Donna also says that the insurance company not only not only said that they're denying because there's not sufficient documentation, okay, which is just garbage of right. an excuse, but they're trying to pawn it off on WSIB or in BC, it's work, you know, WorkSafe BC. Basically, workers' compensation, saying that this was somehow related to her work because it happened outside of her work. You know, and in this case, workers' compensation, I think correctly, based on the scenario I'm seeing here, denied the claim, saying this is not a workers' comp situation. This is not a person who was injured while they were working. This is something that happened after work. Uh, who knows where, and, and, you know, it's not the workers' compensation claim. And for the insurance company, again, to try and, and just pass the buck here, when they had collected premiums, who knows for how long, months, years, and now they're telling Donna's sister that they're not going to pay? I mean, just imagine the amount of psychological damage that that does to that person, saying, not only have you been attacked, but now we, who are supposed to be here for you, we're supposed to be that safety net, financial safety net, we are not going to be here for you, right? And there's nothing you can do about it. Wow. You know, so, no, we can help 100%. Uh, 
Uh, and what I would do, Donna, is I would have a chat with your sister, um, and, and we can do it by phone, by Skype, whatever it is, so long as it's safe for everyone, obviously. Uh, and I would explain to her her rights. But I would say we should go after the insurance company right now. And here's the thing to understand. When we start the claim against the insurance company, you are not the one dealing with the insurance company. We are. You are not talking to them. They're not even allowed to, to reach out to you. They cannot call you. They cannot email you. They, they're not allowed. They have to go through us. We are that wall, okay, that barrier, except that we don't just act as a shield for you. We act as a sword. We go on the offense because we're going to start that legal claim against the insurance company to force them to pay what your sister is owed, Donna. So, so thank you again for reaching out to us. And again, let her know. She can go to you know, uh, disabilityrights.ca. That's our website. It's got all our shows. It's got information. Or she can simply contact me directly after the show. I'll be more than happy to spend as much time as needed to explain to her exactly what the process is, what to expect. There's, there's no money up front. There's nothing, okay? It's just free advice just to make sure that she understands exactly what her rights are. Uh, and God, I mean, everything she's gone through, that's the last thing she needs, John. You know, being rejected by the insurance company for no good reason. Well, you have the email address, obviously, Donna. That's how we heard from you. But uh, you can pass along the phone number to your uh, to your sis as well, one eight five five eight two one. 5,900. It's, you know, it's really brutal to think that an insurance company based on her situation would even go down that road. But I mean, you know, once they start seeing dollars and cents or looking at dollars and cents only, right? You know, they go down these roads and, and they often do so in a manner that simply defies any common sense and logic. Like, right. look, sometimes insurance companies, again, remember, I used to work for them, right? So sometimes they make decisions and it's not always a clear cut case. Sometimes it's difficult to ascertain if the person qualifies under the policy. That's a fair statement. And sometimes people don't qualify, you know, and sometimes people try and game the system, right? I mean, I know this. I'll, I'll listen. I'll be the first one to say it's not black and white in every case. But in a case like this, and I have seen cases before where it is so black and white, it's so, in fact, I would say it's so white. Forget about black and white. Like it's so stark you know, that the insurance company is doing something they're not supposed to, that's when I think that the attack on the insurer should be the fiercest. I, I simply do not believe in making peace with an insurance company when they have gone down this kind of a road and not only have rejected the person, but understanding where that person's vulnerabilities are awesome. and understanding that she's in, in a mental state, in, in a psychological state that is so is so vulnerable. To me, that that is... That is unforgivable. And I, you know, my team and I, when we see something like this, we just go on the attack. We go on the attack with everything we have, and insurance companies know this. And, and they're not happy. They're not happy when we are on claims because they understand they're going to have to pay big. We'll get to another email, but first we've got to take a, a short break, so stick around for that. Uh, number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That email address that we use is help at disabilityrights.ca. And uh, for catching our TV show, you want to go to the website disabilityrights.ca as well. We'll, uh, we'll, turn, uh, we'll come back in just a couple minutes here to the Disability Law Show right here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 
And welcome back. Disability Law Show. Savannah Markin, John Scholes here answering your email questions. And any time outside of the uh, the hour of the show you want to call, you can do that toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. Another option for you to use is mydisabilityquestions.com, free website. And you can answer your questions anonymously there as well. You know, Savannah, you guys at the firm, of course, do both disability law. There's a lot of crossover with employment law, so you got that covered uh, in spades big time. But this time of year, especially coming up, you're going to get a lot of uh, slip and falls, a lot of personal injury stuff. So that is also part of your uh, your repertoire, no? It, it is, absolutely, yeah. I, I want to make sure that, you know, people know that even though we talk about long-term disability here, we do have an expertise as well and experience in personal injury claims. And there's a lot of personal injury lawyers out there, and that's fine. Uh, many are, are, are friends of mine. Uh, some are exceptionally good at what they do. Some of them, I don't know what they're doing practicing law, to be honest with you. Uh, but I can say that about some defense lawyers too. Uh, you know, and again, it's just like any industry. You have the, you know, the good and the bad. But, you know, we are in winter right now. COVID notwithstanding, people are out and about. Uh, we typically, when we deal with uh, with car accidents or when we're dealing with uh, you know slip and falls, we deal with more significant injuries. I only say that because, you know, the the, the reputation that we have built in the industry, and you know the resources that we can marshal to get the compensation that our clients deserve is quite significant. And and having said that, we are limited. I mean, we're not a thousand lawyers right so sure. there's only so many people we can help and so we try to focus on on you know the, the most critical types of cases and, and what i mean by that is if you have severe injuries you know you have a loved one that fell that broke their hip broke their shoulder their back something happens you know you need a firm that like I said, that has the resources the reputation with insurance companies and the know-how this is key the know-how on exactly what pressure points to press to get the insurance company to the table to pay exactly what the right amount of compensation is. And individuals out there will not necessarily know what that is, John. I'll give you a quick example. Uh, I remember years and years ago when I was working for an insurance company and I was defending a claim with a lady that was in her uh, mid-50s and she had broken her, I think it was the left hip. She had two surgeries, there were complications. Uh, the, you know, the, the claim itself was very, very significant, and and the lady was also working part time, and after the incident, she could not work, and and we ended up resolving the claim for, uh, I think it was around a hundred or a hundred and ten thousand dollars, or around that oh. mark. But but here's the thing, that sounds like a lot of money. Let me tell you this: a hip fracture with surgeries. Just the pain and suffering component of that should be assessed, in my view, at anywhere from ninety to one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Okay. In this case, there was an income loss component. I remember that it was over $100,000 that she was going to lose in the future. She would need help around the home at least a few hours a week for the next God knows how many years. I assessed the exposure of that claim on the insurance company at between four dollars and $500,000. That means that I told the insurance company they should be prepared to pay that to this person and their family. But the lawyer that this individual hired did not understand the pressure points and I was able to outmaneuver that lawyer and the reality is that that person ended up getting a settlement that was a fraction. Now remember, I was working for the insurance company. I don't work for any insurance companies anymore. For years I have not. For years none of my team members have worked for insurance companies. But we have that expertise. We understand both sides of the equation. And so when you're dealing with a very severe injury, with significant income losses, when you're dealing with something that is life-altering, life-changing, give us a call. 
Okay, again, it will cost you nothing to get this information. We are never going to put a contract in front of you and, and say to you, you have to sign. No, absolutely not. We're going to give you the information you need. We're going to explain, you know, based on your circumstance, your fact scenario, whatever the accident was, how it affects you and your family. We'll tell you what the law is. And the law can be fairly complex. Because you know, John, you can have an accident. And so you have an injury claim. But you can also have then a denial from a disability insurer because you can't work. And on top of that, you may have issues with your employer. So now we're dealing with an employment issue, a disability issue, and an injury issue. We can have three, four, five different defendants or, or payors, right, whoever's supposed to be paying compensation at the table at the end of the day. And you need a law firm that has expertise in all these areas because if you go to three, four different law firms, each one of them doing a section of your case, what do you think is going to happen? It's like having four chefs from four separate restaurants trying to create some kind of a, of a, of a dinner, you know? Like you want people who are in this, on the same team talking to each other so that not only the left hand knows what the right hand is, is, is doing and saying, but that they together know what the head is ordering and, you know, every part of the body is working in the same way. So, so that's my point that, you know, you have to make sure you get the information you need. We'll give you that information, slip and falls, car accidents, boating accidents, all that kind of stuff. But now in winter... You have to be especially careful because, again, when you are injured, severely injured, you're going to have compensation that's owed to you potentially, and and there are strict deadlines. And if you don't adhere to those deadlines, you can miss the boat. And you can miss the boat not by a few hundred bucks. You can miss the boat by hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more. Okay? So be very, very careful. Reach out to us. We'll give you the information we need. You have literally nothing to lose. That's especially true when it comes to a slip and fall or accident on municipal or city property too, right? As far as absolutely, taken away, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, 100%, 100%, yeah. Uh, I mean that's something that's very important to understand, especially here in Ontario. You know, we have uh, you know under the the, the municipal act, uh, uh, people have ten days from the slip and fall to notify the city clerk uh, of particulars of the claim. When did the accident happen? Uh, where did you fall? The location, the injuries, all that kind of stuff. And if you don't do that your claim could be compromised. So you have to be very, very careful not to miss those deadlines. Only got a, a couple of minutes to go here. I don't know if we're going to slip in another email, but uh, you did mention there, I want to cover off this just before we uh, before we go, the, the relationship between employment and disability. A lot of people don't see the correlation between it. A, a huge correlation. I mean, think about how many people out there are suffering from some, some kind of an impairment. I mean, let's just take a look at what we're dealing with now, people who are suffering from depression because of COVID, isolation, all that kind of stuff. And, and they need, or not even depression. I mean, you can have other illnesses, cancer, God forbid, you know, severe arthritis, uh, fibromyalgia, whatever it is. You're having difficulty with your employer. And remember, employers are in a difficult situation right now, too, because of all these restrictions and, and business-crushing uh, legislation and lockdowns. But again, it's about people's rights, right? And I want to make sure people understand their rights. And so you have a lot of individuals out there who employers don't understand. You cannot let go someone who is disabled. That is a human rights violation, okay? So it's important. But here's the thing. If you are supposed to be getting short-term disability or long-term disability, and at the same time you've been let go from your employer or your employer has closed down or whatever, you may have certain entitlements from an employment law standpoint from the employer. How does that factor in to your disability payments that you owed, right? In many instances, the insurance company is allowed to get a credit. So again, we maneuver all these issues. These are all very subtle issues. But if you don't have 
the right people dealing with all of these claims together, who have expertise in all these areas, something is bound to get missed. And I see this time and time again. John, every year we hold seminars internally within the firm where the employment lawyers tell the disability lawyers and vice versa yeah. about their practices so that we're all on the same page. Not, not a week goes by without one of the employment lawyers at my firm reaching out to me saying, we just resolved the employment matter. Here's what the full and final release says. What do you think about the language in this release? Right. Do you think that my client is going to be you know, prejudiced down the road with the insurance company? And I help them out with that, not just me. James Fireman, you know, other lawyers at the firm as well. So the point is that you need to have that expertise. If you don't understand employment law and disability law, both together, you're going to have a problem down the road, and that means less money in your pocket. So reach out. Now that we're done, toll free, of course, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca or simply disabilityrights.ca to find the TV show links there as well. And finally, mydisabilityquestions.com. You can use that as well. We'll catch you next time. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.